I think everyone's been here, but if you're just joining us for the adults, we've been kind of going through the Confession of Faith, the London Confession of Faith, and just looking at particular words or phrases, and we've only had, you know, six or seven of these, so we're not doing an exhaustive overview of the Confession. We've sought to look at a few that may seem uh, more difficult to understand, or perhaps are phrases that some are not sure if they agree with or not, not necessarily in the church, but just historically among Reformed Baptist congregations. Tonight, I want to take us to chapter 24, paragraph 3. So if you're needing a copy of the confession, it's in the back of the uh, Trinity hymnal there. And I don't think this one is one that is regularly debated as one that you're not sure if you agree to or not. But it's more, what might it mean in its context? Um, you know, sometimes we look at phrases like, the Pope is that Antichrist, or the topic of elect infants, or what is God is without body, parts, or passions. Those kinds of things can be questions we have or things we wonder if we agree with. But here in chapter 24, paragraph 3, I want to take a look at the phrase, for conscience sake. And this is in the chapter on the civil magistrate. This chapter has three paragraphs. If you're new to our confession, just a reminder for you, usually the first paragraph of every chapter gives you a summary of the doctrine. And then the rest of the paragraphs flesh that out or fill it out or answer specific contextual questions. So in chapter 24, paragraph 1, we are told that God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, so he's, he's not waiting to be king, right? he's king of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates. It's a lengthy phrase which means government, civil government. He has ordained civil magistrates to be under him over the people for his own glory and the public good. And to this end hath armed them with the power of the sword for defense and encouragement of them that do good and for the punishment of evildoers. Our confession points then to Romans 13 as one major marker text. Some would say proof text. Just a reminder for you, those verses are not always given to prove the doctrine. They are given as markers for you to catch your place in the scripture and to put all of the scripture together, and then to even consider those who've spoken to those scripture passages down through the ages of the church. So if you're ever reading the confession and you think, well, that verse doesn't prove everything that you just said, well, that was not their intent, right? It marks you. It gives you a place to begin. So then after this summary, we get to paragraph three, which says this, civil magistrates being set up by God for the ends aforesaid. <laughs> I wish we spoke like that still, for the previous things we've just said, in all lawful things commanded by them ought to be yielded by us in the Lord, not only for wrath, that here's our phrase, but for conscience sake. And we ought to make supplications and prayers for kings and all that are in authority that are under them. We may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And of course, Romans 13 is pointed to again. 
So what does this phrase, for conscience sake, mean? The bottom line is, there are spheres of authority. We've spoken of this before. If we read the pages of scripture, it seems like the main three spheres of Christ's authority that he delegates or over which he rules are the following spheres. Family, the church, and the civil magistrate. And one of the challenges of the history of the church has been when one of those spheres seeks to try to enter into another of those spheres in an unlawful way. When the government says, we're going to be the family, or we're going to rule the church, or perhaps in some ages of the church, when the church has said, we're going to use the government's power of the sword to enact the conversion of men, that would also be wrong, right? Well, what does it mean then for us to yield unto these civil magistrates for conscience' sake? Well, what is spoken to here is Romans 13, 5 through 7. The confession writers really are just pulling from the pages of Holy Scripture that say the same thing. Listen to Romans 13, 5 through 7. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. Not only because... Penalties can come from breaking the law, from not following lawful authority, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor." Now, one of the things that is helpful when you read our confession, and I'm not the first person to come up with this, but one of the things that's helpful is when you see a word in the confession, you want to read the confession both ways. Where is this word elsewhere in the confession? Because every time you get to a new chapter in our confession of faith, the writers assume you've read all of the chapters which come before it. And you've seen this word before if it's occurred. And later on, if they use that word, they assume that you've read this usage of that word. This is the way that these documents were written in the 1600s. Well, we've seen conscience before. If you turn over to chapter 18 of the Confession, chapter 18, paragraph 4, It's in the chapter entitled, Of the Assurance of Grace and Salvation. It's interesting. Not in any way usually connected with obeying the civil magistrate. But look at what paragraph 4 of chapter 18 says. True believers may have the assurance of their salvation, the old English, diverse ways shaken, In other words, you may have levels of assurance that are higher and lower at various times. Diminished and intermitted, as by negligence in preserving of it, by falling into some special sin which woundeth the conscience and grieveth the spirit, by some sudden or vehement temptation, by God's withdrawing the light of his countenance and suffering even such as fear him to walk in darkness and to have no light, Yet are they never destitute of the seed of God and life of faith. I really want to just preach a sermon on how lack of assurance does not mean that you're not saved. But I won't at this juncture. 
that love of Christ and the brethren, that sincerity of the heart and conscience of duty, out of which, by the operation of the Spirit, this assurance may in due time be revived, and by the which, in the meantime, they are preserved from utter despair. There are things that we can do in this life which will wound our consciences, which will mean that we suffer from lack of assurance. So it's very interesting then, several chapters later, when the writers of the confession choose to say, in keeping with Paul in Romans 13, that our own consciences are part of the reason why we should yield unto the lawful authority of the civil magistrate. Said differently, Jim Renahan in his work, which I've commended to us many times, says this, Quote, obedience to magistrates when they serve lawfully is an element of having a good conscience. You ever thought about the fact that some aspect of our consciences could be wounded because we refuse to obey Christ, who is king, in honoring the authorities that he set over us? Not just pastors in the church, not just parents in the home, but actually the civil magistrate. Now, we spent some time together as a church in 1 Peter looking at this passage. I'll refer you to 1 Peter chapters 2 and 3 in the series there when we talked about the civil magistrate. But in short, let me remind you that we are not to follow the civil magistrate when he or she um, tell us to sin. We are not to honor the civil magistrate when they call us to disavow our true king. But insofar as the civil magistrate is given as an authority under Christ, a servant of Christ, even sometimes when we would not make the decisions that they make, insofar as they're not calling us to sin, and of course this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Sometimes we will have to not obey the civil magistrate because he or she are calling us to sin. But insofar as we are not called to sin, we must obey. Interestingly enough, what does Paul do in Romans 13? Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due. I'm sure that just about every single person in this room would love to have lower taxes. If you'd like to have higher taxes, you can tell me that privately later, and I'll, I'll be astounded, but that's fine. Uh, you're welcome to want higher taxes. I'm sure we all want higher taxes. But I think, I mean, lower taxes. I'll I'll make sure to edit that out of the, uh, the recording. But, you know, sometimes we go so far as to say things like, all taxes are theft. Well, I'm not a big fan of taxing the income of a human being. But it seems as though the Apostle Paul knew that we would be given taxes of a variety of ways from the civil magistrate. And what are we commanded to do? Render them, even if we don't like to stroke the check. So conscience sake here is best understood as we should obey the civil magistrate, not only for wrath, because we will suffer judgment for not doing so, but also because for the sake of our conscience before the living God, we want to honor Christ by honoring, as far as we are able, those who rule over us. The next time you think about your governing officials, 
consider your conscience. Is my conscience clean in how I've sought to honor Christ, even though this one who is over me is not my favorite? Brothers and sisters, it's a challenge. But our consciences, our confession says, are a part of the equation. And of course, again, the writers of the confession just point us right down to Romans 13. One or two other notes. Our chapter on the civil magistrate is a little bit shorter than the chapter on the civil magistrate in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Some of you will remember that in the 1640s there was an assembly, the Westminster Assembly, and many men came together and they crafted over several years the Westminster Confession of Faith. Later on, the Baptists, the particular Baptists, we would call them confessional reform Baptists today, they already had a confession, but they wanted to show that they were in agreement with their Presbyterian brothers and sisters on so many fronts. So they took the Westminster Confession of Faith, and it's a little cheeky, but they baptized it. I mean, our Confession of Faith is basically the Westminster Confession of Faith with a few slight amendments. But one of the changes in our Confession of Faith is this chapter. The Westminster Confession of Faith in its original added several paragraphs here. And one of the things that it called for was that the magistrate was to, quote, deal with blasphemies and heresies being suppressed. Our forefathers did not put that in the confession. Why not? Because, in my humble opinion, they saw the difference between the sphere of the civil magistrate and the sphere of the church. And some of our early Presbyterian brothers, many of which we read and we savor their words in Puritan paperbacks and other writings, many of them had a slightly different view of the authority of the civil magistrate. It also says in the Westminster Confession of Faith elsewhere that the civil magistrate can indeed call synods of the church and be present. Why is that not in our confession of faith? Well, because the particular Baptists of the 1600s believed that the biblical requirement for the civil magistrate was limited. Just as the church was limited in certain ways and was not given the power of the sword, so the magistrate was limited in a certain way and not given the power of the keys of the kingdom. Said simply, the government doesn't manage Christ's church and Christ's church doesn't use the weapons and tools of the civil magistrate in the conversion and sanctification of men. But, be that as it may, the writers did leave the phrase, we should yield in all lawful things commanded by them because of conscience' sake. In a day when we are perhaps increasingly displeased with our governing officials for many good and true and right reasons, and in a day where in many cases we are asking the question, at what point do we need to say we cannot do what you're asking us to do? Let's not lose sight of Romans 13 in the back of our mind. That part of my decision in following and honoring the civil magistrate the scripture says, not just the confession, but the scripture says, connects to having a clean conscience before the Lord. So if I am going to refuse to obey, I better make sure 
that my conscience is clear before the living God.